0: Coming up this week, off-screen. Christian Bale's got a vice. Nicole Kidman's a destroyer. We spend a year with Ingmar Bergman. Nadia Murad's got the world on her shoulders. And JLo's got a second act. All those coming more, off-screen. This is This is Off-Screen. Off-screen. The latest film news and reviews This is Offscreen The Movie Marker radio show and podcast Ooh, Welcome to Offscreen, I'm Van Conner. And I'm John Coulson So Mr Coulson, welcome back Have you seen any good movies this week? Uh, I think so you think. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you mean for specifically for this show, I meant in general life. Um, no, I've I've been on the road. Quite oh, you've been a on the road. Oh, but you have watched films for this. I have. Did you enjoy any of them? you don't have to say names yet? I think so. You think so? Okay, that's that's <laughs> fine. We'll we'll get to the bottom of that mystery uh, as we go on. So we've got uh, the film news to come the box office top 5, all those fun reviews including your uh, your mystery title there. <laughs> and uh, so before we start, uh, we need something from the news for this week to kick us off. So what should we talk about? Let's talk about the Oscars. So, yeah, the Oscar nominations were this week, and there was some really panderous stuff in there. There was some really old-timey, just, are you kidding me, driving Miss Daisy style, you know, kind of 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 entries in there. Yeah, a lot of, are you serious? But then there were a couple of little surprises. Okay. So, Black Panther became the first superhero movie ever to be nominated for Best Picture. Okay. And you know, there's been some obvious contenders, you know, over the years. Like, wow, well, how come Logan? And uh, yeah. Logan got nominated for, for screenplay, and that felt like, even though it was an achievement, kind of a snub. Uh, Dark Knight obviously is a really famous example of yeah, a superhero yeah. movie that uh, you know people just assumed would get Best Picture nod, and then because they were only allowed a certain number of nominations, it was held off the race. I and think that's a cop out. Well, they then expanded that race the following year, which kind of led weight lent weight to that theory. Yeah. Um, but yes, a so Black Panther officially the number one one superheroes the first one ever to get nominated for best picture that's good news uh yes also in there though uh black Klansman, which yes you and i both adored yeah great film great film that's up for quite a few though and very first time spike lee has ever been nominated for best director is it because it's not a spike lee film like it is but it doesn't come across as very spike lee well that's been the thing though since uh inside man You know, way back in like 2006, I think it was. He's been leaning himself to more of a conventional style, but still injecting his own cynicism into stuff. But anyway, we're talking too much about Spike Lee. So, um, the favourite. Okay, I think everyone expected that was going to get up for Best Picture. Obvious choice. Um, A Star is Born. Okay. Yeah. Really obvious, obvious winner. Winner potential, sorry. Winner. Um, Vice got nominated for Best Picture. Um, And Vice, as we will get to in the review, is being referred to by a lot of people um, in print, online, a lot of people sort of in the the, the film chats, news cycle or whatever, as the worst best picture nominee ever. Oh. Yeah, which is a fascinating uh, moniker to give it in my estimation, but uh, I'll I'll get to why later. Um, There's also Roma, which is uh, Alfonso Cuaron's uh, latest Okay. Which I've yet to see, and I'm told is amazing. Oh. I look forward to it. Um, Bohemian Rhapsody. It was going to get nominated for something. It was. It also got nominated for Best Actor for Rami Malek. I mean, he's good. He's good. And twin brother named Sammy Malek, as yeah. we discovered, yeah. <laughs> who looks. They really are identical twins. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, also, then this was the point where people went a little bit off the rails. Was uh, Green Book. Uh, as being uh, nominated right, because obviously there is already minor controversy surrounding uh, one of the writers of Green Book, so this is kind of problematic, but not quite problematic, obviously, as Beheming Rhapsody, yeah, which has obviously led to a lot of real life scandals sort of coming more uh, well returning into the into the uh, the new cycle and yeah. is this the time when they 're going to take down Brian singer because these allegations come up every few years they, they do. And uh, I mean, one can argue there is no smoke without fire, although another person could argue that Bryan Singer does not paint himself well. Yeah. I I would argue he doesn't carry himself as the most humble person. Yeah. Yeah, to (laughs) put it politely. But uh, anyway, so he's not up for uh, Best Director, which is nice. Oh, really? Um, Alfonso Cuaron for Roma, Yogos Lantimos for The Favourite. Well-directed films, save for That fisheye Lens, which I absolutely bloody hated. And uh, Spike Lee, Black Klansman, Adam Mackay for Vice. Is it Mackay McKay? I don't know. Same, both. And Pavel Pavlikovsky for Cold War, oh. which, uh, well, he was an art house darling, wasn't it? All oh, right. So, okay, this is, I, I could see this actually getting some crossover potential by way of the Oscars, maybe. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, surprises on the Best Actress front, Glenn Close for The Wife. That's, that's a thing Could Glenn Close Win an Oscar again hmm. Yeah uh, Lady Gaga for A Star Is Born I think oh. we all saw that coming Didn't yeah, we Yeah obviously, obviously Melissa McCarthy Got an Oscar nomination Really For Can You Forgive Me Which we're going to review next week oh, okay uh, And Olivia Colman This was kind of predicted For uh, The Favourite There's also uh, Yalitza Aparicio For uh, Roma Oh uh, which is uh, okay. I, I hear great things about that performance. Every clip I've seen has shown that she's got something to show in it, so I look forward to uh, to judging that one. Okay. Uh, best actor, Christian Bale in Vice. That's a candidate. I, I mean... It's not. It's not that shocking. And for best supporting actor, Sam Rockwell from Vice as George W. No, uh, yeah, yeah, I take it you loved that. <laughs> yeah, uh, Bradley Cooper's up for best actor uh, for Star is Born. You expected that Willem Dafoe at Eternity's Gate. I love that guy. Uh, Rami Malek, Bohemian Rhapsody, kind of yeah. kind of easy choice. I suppose he was going to get at least nominated. Vigo Mortensen for Green Book. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. People, the way people treat Green Book is if it's this year's Forrest Gump. I love Forrest Gump. Uh, in terms of just being a slush candidate yeah. with, <laughs> with questionable racial racial standings. Um, yeah, The way, if that's the case, though, then I'm really intrigued to see what Viggo Mortensen does in a movie from a Farrelly brother in which he plays a sort of wacky mobster type. Uh, and I've, and this is the first film we're screening next week, so okay. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I really am. Better. Also, I just love Mahershala Ali, who is up for Best Supporting Actor. But uh, why? I've I've got a name but not a face. Mahershala Ali. He's currently the star of True Detective. He was he in was in he was in Moonlight. I think yeah, he won the Oscar for Moonlight, Moonlight and um, he's in the Marvel Luke Cage. I was going to say yeah, Luke Cage. Yeah, he's yeah, cut yeah, mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, best supporting actress Amy Adams in Vice. That one surprised me. I got to be honest. Uh, it's a bit. I mean, yeah, yeah but. Marina de Tavira for Rome. uh, Roma, sorry, Rome. Uh, (laughs) Regina King for If Beale Street Could Talk, which I've not had a chance to watch yet because it's not been released yet. So. Oh, well, that would yeah, That would help. <laughs> um, Emma Stone and Rachel Weisz for The Favourite, both up for Best Supporting Actress. Yeah. Well, that film. But... Which is interesting, because I, I would have thought they would have just had to make a decision on keeping one of them and not the other, but they've just gone for both. Fair enough. It's, it, yeah, it's going to be like gar or... right, some Something you're going to love in this. The Best Supporting Actress, we already talked about uh, Herschel Ali and Green mm. Book. Uh, Sam Elliott for A Star Is Born. Oh. The original owner of this voice. Yeah, yeah. Hey, he's good in it. He's good in it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he got some tears out of you, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Richard E. Grant uh, got a nomination for Can You Ever Forgive Me, which he's a lot of fun in. He is. I got to see the films last weekend. He's a lot of fun in oh. that. Um, Sam Rockwell for Vice, as we say, you, you said you enjoyed. I like Sam Rockwell. He's, he's always good. He is, he's a good sport, isn't yeah, he's he? He's just always good. But uh, And this, this one blew me away. Adam Driver for Black Klansman. I mean, right, Okay, that's that's an that's not one I saw coming. To be honest, I'm not unhappy about it though. That's the thing. I, I don't in any way object. I'm just like it's it's a great performance. I just didn't see that getting awards, not uh, recognition. Yeah, no, well, yeah, it's a good show though, especially at the expense of John David Washington. <laughs> yeah, it's just a very strange thing there. But uh, okay, I would never have said that Adam Driver was better in that movie than John David Washington was. But I mean, that yeah, it's because he wasn't. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, they're evenly matched. Anyway, okay, so we'll get to more nomination stuff in the uh, in the podcast extras because we could just go on for hours with the Oscars and yeah, just going no. through what makes sense and what doesn't. And then when Case comes back, he'll do it again. Yeah, well that's it. Exactly. Or probably, Memory <laughs> <he> probably will, <laughs> won't he? <laughs> <laughs> so in the meanwhile, podcast uh, edition of this show with all the extended bits. of this week we're going to talk more about nominations and who should win what and what's just got robbed. Yep. Uh, spoiler alert: Widows nothing, nothing for Widows. Widows ain't got nothing and I'm mad as hell about it okay. anyway so podcast extras you can find those on Spotify uh, ACAS Apple Podcasts etc Google Podcasts any any podcast platform yeah on the podcast really. on on the podcast circuit yeah, yeah so just off screen on there uh, in the meanwhile competitions we're running that uh, Stan and Ollie competition at the moment with the gift sets with the they've got these really cool notebooks and little pencils with little bowler hats oh on. yeah yeah, 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 yeah they're really cool <laughs> Clapperboard, etc real old timey Hollywood kind of vibe I love to it. little things like that yeah they're so cute uh, but yeah, if you want to win one, uh, just uh, tweet uh, your favourite gif of Stan and Ollie to at uh, MovieMarker. Marker, oh. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's all you got to do. So in the meanwhile, we should talk about our first uh, review of the week. So uh, let's talk about second act. We've, we've not got long to talk about this. We've overextended on the Oscars. <laughs> so second act, which is a new comedy from uh, director Peter Siegel, who brings us a lot of sort of mid-range, kind of mid-tone comedies. Um, I think he's directed Adam Sandler a few times. Okay. (laughs) And uh, he's directed this uh, Woman in the Corporate Workplace comedy starring uh, Jayla. In which she plays a, uh, an assistant manager of a big Costco style supermarket who's destined for the great big manager job, but is then overlooked in favor of uh, someone younger and more college educated. Yeah. So she quits and she, uh, she accidentally, through contrivance, lands a job as the head of sales for like this high powered Unilever like New York skyscraper brand okay. run by uh, Treat Williams. So you're already back in, like, 2003 with that one. Yeah. And uh, here's here's a clip of her uh, her losing the first job before she transitions to the second. Mr. Weisskopf, can I have a minute? You can have two. Thank you. I prepared for this meeting for weeks. And you did great. Look, I put 15 years of my life into this store. And after becoming assistant manager six years ago, sales have increased at a record pace. Look, I mean no disrespect, but... What do you know about this store, the people who shop here? I specialize in team building. Arthur got his MBA from Duke. I think you'll find he's the best man for the job. No, sir. I am. Where did you go to college, dear? I have my GED. I respect that, I do. But we have minimum job requirements in place for a reason. And what is that reason? I want you to know how much we value you and your loyalty. So this is hilarious, but for none of the reasons that it is intended to be, okay? So okay. It's, it's weirdly sexist in favour of men at times, despite the fact that it's a J-Lo workplace comedy, right? And J-Lo's own presence hasn't particularly changed since about 2003 when she was, you know, leading these kind of tentpole, yeah. mid-budget $40 million kind of rom-coms kind of thing. Um, you do actually feel so in the 2003 mood that you keep expecting Bradley Cooper to turn up as the douchebag former love interest or something uh, you know like he used to but you know it turns yeah. out we've all actually moved on from there except for J-Lo uh, J-Lo's using this as her actual second act so the thing is that J-Lo is middle aged as I would mentioned before JLo is middle aged she's yeah. hot middle aged and she would like you to know this oh, wow. and well it's not really got much of a refined statement other than that, because it's frankly so misguided. I mean, this thing even resorts in 2019 at one point to a full-on woman v. woman catfight rivalry wow. storyline, and that's, that's not even among the top five most contrived subplot elements of this movie. I mean, it, it is kind of gormlessly fun. Right? It, it is. In, in a sort of goofy, I'll just sit here and let it bombard me okay. kind yeah. of a way. Yeah. You think yeah. the- same way that you normally enjoy a Lo rom com. Oh, yeah, exactly thing. that. Yeah, exactly that. It's fine for that, but for the love of God, do not go in looking for any kind of substance or meaning other than the fact that J Lo wants you to know that she looks good in her voice. and uh, could, and you're fair play. You know, she looks she looks great in her voice. but and she has still got exactly the same sort of screen appeal that she had in two thousand three. The the problem is that it it, it it's not twenty. 2003, man. It's 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 2019, and it's swing. someone needs to tell Jenny from the block. Swing and a miss. Swing, swing and a misfire. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the Movie Marker Radio Show and Podcast. And we're back, Mr. Coulson. So uh, before we uh, get to the film news and whatever you've got uh, tucked away under your sleeve there, yeah. um, let's uh, have a quick review of uh, On Her Shoulders, which is a new documentary that's out this week. Yeah. Uh, this is from Nicola Bomback. Uh, this is a documentary. Did you see uh, My Name is Malala a few years ago? I didn't. Right, that was the Malala Yousafzai uh, story. She was the young girl who became a figurehead for life, uh, under, you know, oppressed life under Al-Qaeda. Yeah. And, uh, it, and you, actually, it, was, it played like the real-life version of that movie, The Breadwinner, at times. Oh, all right. But uh, so, um... She, she was a very uh, very charming young woman and uh, she's still out there. She's still an activist in the world uh, and she you know, does a lot of work with the UN, etc. And you'll see her on a lot of talk shows. Okay. Right. Yeah. So similar actual kind of story. Uh, this one chronicles uh, Nadia Murad, who is from the Yazidi region in uh, in Iraq. Yeah. They were uh, oppressed under ISIL, as it was at the time. You know, That's kind of one of the names we used to use for ISIS or yeah, Islamic chain. State at one yeah. point. And um, so she, uh, she was subjected to a year of imprisonment, torture and rape and made it out made it out to tell her story to uh fight for the rights of other women and children oppressed under the under the regime uh so it's uh, it's a documentary about her life sort of as she found her way uh to sanctuary as she's found a way to get the story out and uh what her life has entailed since, but also chronic, chronicling, if I can get my words out, chronicling um, the story behind her. It's a pretty interesting documentary, oh, right. and you know the, the the way that we do get to know Nadia Murad, you know, as a person. Those, yeah. those fleeting, because we don't get too many glimpses actually into her present life. It's it's kind of not really reality TV style in terms of being like warts right. and all. Yeah, she's quite a reserved person, so obviously there's only so much you you kind of get to glean. Yeah, and it's kind of understandable to be it, honest that you wouldn't want to let too, you know too many people into your inner circle after you'd spent a year like that yeah but uh yeah so uh but what you do get though is intimate enough and it is engaging uh it's a little bit too glossily shot at times and the tone of it occasionally is a bit uncomfortably Uh, there's a moment in which it starts to feel like they're just there to use Amal Clooney to glamorise it and they even have a sequence in which Amal Clooney just stages her own entrance and you can't figure out why they've left that in but uh, because you don't really gain much from it Right. But uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, though, I tell you, I was engaged by it. I just didn't think it had much. It, didn't, it doesn't have that Channel Four, ten p.m. on a Thursday crossover appeal that something like My Name Is Malala does. Right? Yeah. I there. don't think the I don't think a mainstream audience is going to find enough in there to to hook them in on the emotional level. That because it's not, the whole thing with Malala was it had that appeal that she was a child, as cynical as it sounds. No, yeah, I agree. There, was... yeah. But uh, so, but other than that, I thought it was a pretty solid documentary. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so in the film news, what have we got? Um, so we've got some Fast and Furious spin off news. Oh, yes, there's a second one, isn't there? There's going to be another one after Hobbs, Hobbs and, and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> Let's be honest, we're all excited for that one The Rock's The Man. Have you seen the post? Uh, not the post, the first still, though, that's yes. Rock. Jason Statham, Idris Elba. Yeah. And it's like the Holy Trinity have finally come together. But they're even stood in a sort of Holy Trinity formation. It's as if they know. It's as if the Illuminati have finally arranged these pieces into place. And <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Anyway. Yeah, so the other spin-off. The other spin-off. Does it have a title? you have not got a title um, for it, No, it? it's just referred to the as... The Femme and the Furious? Uh, furious female spin-off <laughs> seems to me that all that people seem to say. Furious females? That yeah. sounds like a... Bit generic, doesn't it? A little bit. I think "Femme and the Furious" definitely. I mean, it's got to have the word "furious." It's got it, got it. But I'm wondering what they do with Hobbs and Shaw because that seems like a weak title. Still, it does, but they're but big characters. There, are I know. It's the other one, anyway. anyway. We keep going back anyway, to Anyway, so it. Yeah, yeah, so get, <laughs> we stop talking about the Holy Trinity, anyway. <laughs> the Brotherhood has asked that we please refrain from mentioning uh, the, we the Holy Trinity. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so we're getting a girl's spin off of uh, Fast and Furious, presumably led by Michelle Rodriguez, yep. rightly so, because I think she's proven her badass credentials in this. 100%. Over the years. 100%. And, uh, and, and, well, it's got writers now that include, um, is it Nicole Perlman? Yep who was the one... I think she was the co-writer on the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Right. And uh, I'm a big fan of her. She's worked on Captain Marvel recently. Yes, that's what that's... Yeah, that's... I told what, you I'd retain all this, but... I know, <laughs> I know. And uh, is it Nicole Beers? Uh, yes. Nicole Beers, who recently signed on to do the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reboot. And the only reason I remembered her name is because she'd been part of that writer's room that Paramount put together for the Transformers Cinematic Universe. Right, right. Yeah. Okay so there's that but there's a third writer as well I can't remember um, Genevieve I, I didn't know her um, Genevieve can I see what her yeah. name is so it's uh, oh Genevieve Robertson Duet oh oh, hang on I know she's from it was written somewhere uh, oh that was it she's on Captain Marvel as well there you go oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. They're she, they're was, she was are... the other, other writer on Captain Marvel yeah but okay I'm looking forward to this so it's got writers yeah Vin Diesel's announced it Oh okay so if Vin Diesel's announced it that's basically sanctified by the pope as far as that franchise is concerned. Yeah, yeah exactly so, that exactly I mean unless the rocks are something different that's that's what's going to be. It's getting awkward between It's them, getting a it? bit it's getting a bit tense. It's getting yeah. a bit tense in the fam, man. <laughs> You know, in the family, in the family, yeah. I was it's getting was tense. For it. I was yeah, it's for getting it. tense in the family. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, speaking of uh, gritty LA set uh, series, because the Fast and Furious was originally, yeah, it was, uh, we it was. try to forget now because they've basically gone into space at this point. Yeah. They will be, they will, they will eventually like drift. They'll do a drift race around the International Space Station. Yeah. I guarantee it. I'll, I'll that's it. that's totally going to be the finale of this series. I really hope Fast so. and Furious Generations. That's, that's going to be the one, you know. Fast and Furious Endgame okay. is absolutely going to be... I really want it. <laughs> I will watch it. Right. So, okay. A movie set in sort of gangland LA. Okay. Very similar sort of setting, say, to where Fast and Furious started. This is Destroyer. Yeah, new movie from Karen Kasama, who directed uh, Jennifer's Body. Okay. It is a boilerplate cop revenge story. I love it them. stars Nicole Kidman as uh, an officer who went undercover fifteen years earlier on an assignment. She, well, she came out of an undercover assignment fifteen years earlier, right. having spent many years undercover with a gang, the leader of whom eventually got away in circumstances that are surrounded in mystery for our purposes as, as the as the audience, um, and that have affected her on a deep personal level right. that have seen her entire world basically fall to rubble and that she will rectify at any cost when he suddenly returns to la one day and she dedicates herself to hunting him down and killing the hell out of the dude i'm already in are you already in yeah. shall i tell you as well that the dude she's hunting is toby kebble i'm in you are in okay here's a clip hey bell look this is handled what is this? wait well, you want us Yeah, come on. Shot. Three times at least from the exit wounds right here. With that? 38 dropped at the scene. Maybe a ghost gun. No serial, no prints. No witnesses yet. Look. Am I wasting your time? City's time. You have no role here. That's our scene. Who is it? No ID, no idea. There's a few of those. uh, Blown die pack. We're waiting on tech. So, you know, all the sort of badass elements I just described to you before I played that clip, right? Yeah. They are absolutely all in there, as I say. Brilliant. And you'd expect them to probably suck but no, they they've made it work. Yes. Karen Kusama is a genius. Oh, I'm so happy. Right. That. And I and I do mean that on a on a badass Lexi Alexander for the art house kind of way. I it's it's brilliant. I had a great time with this. If this isn't in my top 10 films of the year at the end of the year, I will be gobsmacked. Could it be this year's Hannah? Oh, in terms of its sheer badassery probably. <laughs> Did you ever used to watch The Shield? Yes. Right, you you ever see that Glenn Close season that they did? Yes. Right, imagine that as the PG-13 version of this movie. I am in. Okay, exactly, right? So, it's got Toby Kebbell in it, okay? They actually remember, uh, this director genuinely remembers that she's hired Toby Kebbell, which no other director seems capable of doing, (laughs) right? And and he actually gets to turn up for, like, more than 15 minutes of a movie. He's, He's actually in this one full um, job c- congrats to him because you know he- he's had it coming for a long time I'm glad to see it's finally happened for him because I really like Toby Kebbell as an actor and I'm sick of seeing him written out movies at halfway points. but uh, so you also get Scoop McNary who was uh, such a good name? I know, but still, such a great understated performer. And his character is is sort of the emotional. Uh, he's the emotional well for this. He kind of right. provides the emotional backstory for uh, Kidman's character in a very strange way. Uh, and then, of course, Braddus turns up. Uh, <laughs> Bradley Whitford turns up and you know Bradley. what he's doing he's, he's basically perfected that George Hamilton playboy grandpa routine of the I've always got a scotch a smoking jacket and a cigar ladies Bro. look at my perfectly quaffed back grey hair I'm in yeah he's perfected that and not only does he do that with added evil sleaze he also gets to, as a result, provide Nicole Kidman with one of her best moments in this film. And that's really something, because Nicole Kidman's giving the absolute performance of her career in this. Okay, I really want to see this. On top of that, the makeup effects are fantastic. The transitions between them are so subtle and, and so intricately laid out and staged that you don't even notice what's happening half the time. It is Charlize Theron in monster-level good. Uh, okay, it is a better performance under makeup effects than Christian Bale in Vice, uh, which again we'll talk about. But uh, oh wow, it's just a great. Okay, so it's it's, it's this decade's Donny Brasco. Uh, okay. okay, it's uh, it's this year's Sicario. It's this century's Michael Mann movie. It's a bit like Widows. It's a bit like Man on Fire. You will love this. Yeah. It is just great. The tonal gag that it runs between having that Michael Mann, deadpan, heightened reality, serious tone and just going full-blown Tony Scott on us, the way that it walks the line halfway between them is, in and of itself, a tonal gag on par with anything in Jennifer's body. Really, I think it's fantastic. I mean, you lent forward in everything. I did, I did. I thought it was a genuinely fantastic movie. I get excited. I'm pumped up just talking about it. I want to watch the movie again. I want to watch the movie. (laughs) (laughs) And not a single Oscar nomination for this one. No no one. Not a single one. (laughs) So you know what? Clearly it's too good for the Oscars. It's too good for you, Academy. You can't have this one. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen the Movie Marker radio show and podcast. And we're back. And for you, Mr. Coulson, oh, it's time to shine. It's top five. It's, it's reading time. You know I love reading. Number five. The Favourite. The Favourite, which I swear to God we got we got to get a clip of Kelly being, I'm not a movie! <laughs> oh, we should do that as a button. We really Can should. Can you ask her? Yeah. Well, ask yeah, her yeah. what we'll do. We should, I'm not a movie! That'll be the button for The Favourite uh, forever. <laughs> now The Favourite, uh, Best Picture nominee, which uh, okay, yeah, kind of not really surprised by that. Um, I think it's a great movie. I've seen it a couple of times. I uh, laughed a lot through it. I thought it was brilliantly dark-hearted. I think the cast are all superb. I think Rachel Vice in particular. Glad She got nominated for that because she's terrific in it. And uh, although, you know, nobody can hold a candle to uh, Nicole Kidman at the minute. She's she's ruling it for me, for Destroyer. But, you know, overlooked. Um, But yeah, The Favourite, which I I, I liked a great deal. I mean, has anyone tweeted us? Did they like it? Yes. Okay. So, uh, Faris111. Yep. Just watch. Hashtag The Favourite. Indulgence. 9.5 out of 10. That's very succinct. (laughs) Number 4. Let's go fly a kite up to the highest high. Let's go fly a kite and send it soaring. Mary Poppins returns. Which I loved. I had a great time with. I think I need to rewatch it cuz Really? Well, I think I felt like I enjoyed it. Yeah. But then Kel sort of didn't. Okay. Yeah, she mentioned this to me. Yeah. So I need to check if I did. <laughs> maybe I just because you, you don't the, have to sync up perfectly with your girlfriend on film Hey, I do what I'm told <laughs> I, no, I had to like we saw it VIP style you said yeah in the nice luxury seats like so, that version of looks kind of thing you know did I just enjoy the experience the experience because I went I went full in on the treats so (laughs) you know were you drunk on popcorn Yeah, is that that the question but no it's a fun film people are good in it Um, there's some fun songs I think I did enjoy it but I would like to see it again okay fair enough has anybody tweeted us about their experience they have okay PJ Door. PJ Door, and they've said a lot Okay (laughs) So spent a couple of hours Be quick then Be quick Yeah spent a couple of hours In the Mary Poppins Returns universe The film has the right feel Emily Blunt holds the umbrella very very well Which I do agree Uh, The rest of the cast do good (laughs) That's that's really like down Anyway Sorry uh, A bloke with a white beard Dances on a desk Mm, Staggering for a man of 93 Why don't you just give it away Overall not bad But the original is very special Number three dan and ollie which i enjoyed i thought the performances were great uh, i thought the uh, the cat the, the way it'd been realized i thought it was quite uh, quite interesting um, i can't have issues with the steve coogan accent as i've discussed yeah no you mentioned i wasn't uh, terribly shocked to see steve coogan get snubbed by the academy but i was um surprised john c Riley not get uh the big nomination don't know what it is about this film but i'm just not interested you're not interested in this film just not Okay, well, that's that's okay. That's fine. Maybe maybe Stalin Ollie is just a bit too far in the past for you, but yeah, I'm only a wee (laughs) ban. well it's when you have to do like film degrees they kind of like force you to watch like laurel and hardy and things so. uh yeah well i did it so yeah but there you go see some very different things <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna come up in our next review actually Oh, cool. the things you have to see as, as a film student yeah um stan and ollie though i thought was i thought was a first-rate drama i thought but it was more of a character drama than it was a plot drama i thought their uh, their performances as as laurel and hardy were just they were so good particularly riley uh has anybody tweeted us about uh, their perspective Yes! So, Jojo the Dodo won. I like it! I've got a lot of time for that. I have. I watched hashtag Stan and I at my local cinema today. I have to say, it was a really good film about the lives of one of the greatest comedy duos in the world, ever. Steve Coogan and John C. Riley, especially, put in brilliant performances. It's really good that the two lead actors, especially, put in really good performances. Yeah! but didn't you kind of expect that they would be good to the stars? <laughs> That's the point of them in the film. Exactly. <laughs> Number two. Mary Queen of Scots. Which I really enjoyed, actually. You did. I did. Uh, I thought Margot Robbie had never been better for me. I thought uh, Saoirse Ronan was, you know, acting about her average Tuesday afternoon, really, which is to say superb. Yeah, And, and also snubbed, snubbed. I mean, yeah. come on, Hannah got snubbed. Hannah got snubbed, man, again. Does, doesn't this make you angry? Yeah, it actually does. You, you have that emotional connection to Certia. Yeah, you know, I do, because she's we, awesome. We bonded through uh, through Hannah, I think. It's one of my favourite moments of our friendship. Uh, by the way, did, have you seen there is a trailer for the TV adaptation of Hannah? No! Um, Amazon, Amazon, I think, are doing that as a series? I, I really should, but it, it's not going to be as good. <laughs> Fair enough. I thought the same of Jack Ryan, but I was pleasantly surprised. Okay. Uh, so, um, the American Scars, which I thought was a really good, solid... Almost blockbustery popcorn, but still with some Academy prestige take on the the story of Mary and Elizabeth. Uh, I really liked her. I really liked the performances. Um, yeah. Yeah, I I was genuinely gripped by it. And also, I think there's some really great imagery in there. Some great shots, the contrasting queens. I thought there's just some stuff in there that really works for me. Uh, So, has anybody tweeted us, and what did they think? Uh, Yes, they've tweeted, and they kind of disagree. Fair, okay. So, hashtag Mary Queen of Scots is okay. (laughs) I got told. Performances (laughs) are very good by the whole cast, but the film itself is more solid than spectacular. Number one. (laughs) Glass, <laughs> which I was whoppingly disappointed by. You really? Were. <laughs> oh God! Do you know? And the worst part is, I've had a week to think about it, and I'm—I I, kind of keep looking at looking at it now in the rearview mirror and just thinking, it just looks even worse the further away it gets. Oh man! The more I think back, on it, I just think, oh, really? That's that's what they did with that. Okay. Then what a what a crushing waste of potential. So I've but... had friends that have seen it. Mm -hmm. and then they've just said that it it made Split make more sense? Well, I mean, naturally, yes. It actually does in one sense, yes. And then they just wanted to watch Unbreakable again. Well, the thing for me was, I've had had people who've really liked it, who really have liked it, and I do... I, I do think it's a case of, it's it's Lone Ranger syndrome, it's diminished expectations. When critics, uh, when, when a decent number of critics turn out and say a film is a disappointment, yeah. the audience that then experiences those reviews, even secondhand through just scrolling past them in the Twitter timeline, yeah, yeah. become predisposed to the idea that they are expected to hate this. And of course, when they're paying their money for that, then their bare minimum expectation is, well, it can't be that bad. So of course they look for the good in it. That makes sense. That But yeah, uh, that sense. It, it's you know it's part of the reason <laughs> it's part of the reason that like Kingsman 2 is better regarded by people than it is by critics. Or oh, Batman Superman's a very good example. They're both but terrible. Films. You look at that film, which film critics today went, oh, this is garbage. It, it is garbage. Is. And people thought, you know. Like Lone Ranger, for instance, no, which okay. I think is abysmal. But again, I know people <laughs> who saw it after reviews who think it's incredible. They're wrong. I think Glass is one of those movies. I think it's one of those movies that people will never really admit to disliking, in one sense, because they They've been so prepared for the idea it was bad. Or at the, bare, or, or at the most positive end, mixed. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> Has anyone tweeted that's going to completely disagree with me now? So if someone's tweeted, and they've got lots of letters, and none of it makes sense, so I'm not okay. going okay, to say fair, that handle. But Glass was a decent movie. <laughs> Wouldn't say good. But what? it wasn't the worst. Okay, I mean, that's... That's a real low bar in one sense. They may it may as well have just said, I saw a film. <laughs> Last week, I saw a film. I did film, watch. Right, so um, we've got to skip straight on to the next review, I think, for Shoot. time reasons. So let's talk about uh, about Bergman, A Year in the Life, yes. which uh, comes out this week. Um, this is a, a documentary about, imaginatively enough, Ingmar Bergman. Oh, right. And uh, this documentary is insane. Oh. Right. It, I say insane. I say... Insane, insane as the you know years ago film student nerd oh okay okay, okay. <laughs> right whereas you know you, you represent as, as you admit the, the relatively new cinephile yes right okay so this is one of those things that they sort will not sort of uh, in, in particularly intrigue you if you only watch films and you never had to read about the people that made them right but if you did, it's genuinely fascinating. But it does have some crossover bonkers elements. Okay. Right, so I've got to give it that straight off the bat. So it's about, I think it's the year 1957. It chronicles that specific year. Right. Right, and the reason it chronicles that year is because two of his most famous films came out that year, which were The Seventh Seal and Wild Strawberries, and they are two of the most iconic. I mean, Seventh Seal is one of the most iconic movies ever. If I'm going to put it in your terms as the, as the, as the relatively new cinephile, I'll just tell you it's what the death Stuff from Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey is based on. Ah. You know the whole play, death playing chess thing. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you see, we cater to all levels of film loving on this show. Thank you. We go from Bergman to Bill and Ted like that. <laughs> That's literally why Me Movies ends with a Wayne's World gag. Yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> right, so it chronicles that year. But here's the thing, though. Those yeah. are his two most iconic films. What no one knew, because bear in mind, it's 1957, yeah. is that uh, you know he had a whole other world outside of these two movies. He also made a movie for TV. He directed four theatre productions and, uh, and, and had all of these other projects going on. All the while, he's living entirely on a diet of Swedish yoghurt. Oh. So, yeah. So he's Swedish yoghurt and something else. I forget what it was now. But it's just this really bonkers artsy diet. And, and at the same time, his, his star is starting to, uh, to rise. He gets to that Alfonso Cuaron level, oh, right. as, as we would call it now, of fame. Here's a clip. Ingmar Bergman is a mystery. He's the world's most famous film director, surrounded by a monumental myth mainly because he wrote a number of books about himself filled with contradictory information when bayman writes about himself nobody knows what's true or false if you look for bayman the only place you find him is in his films in his films ingmar bayman is completely honest he starts this practice 1957 so, it's it's a cinephile's delight in the way that Hitchcock Truffaut was about 18 months, two years ago now. Right. Which is a documentary that the general cinema going audience are going to have no interest in, particularly. Yeah. Uh, cinephiles will all want to see it naturally because we're all nerds at heart. Yeah. Um, and it's not particularly of any appeal to anyone other than <laughs> the people who genuinely care about auteur theory and things like that. Um, yeah. Having said that, though, it's absolutely. One of those documentaries that, if Party B showed to anyone from Party A, you'd actually quite enjoy. Because, like I say about the bonkers elements, yeah. just how insane this story is. Yeah. It also does chronicle his entire life story as well. so It does work as a bio, uh, a biographical documentary in the background of this, right? Right. But it does. Its its central uh, through line is the present day. Is this one year, nineteen fifty seven? With you. So you do get footage of. Uh, there's a lot of talking heads, for instance, in there. but A lot of Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand turns up in there because she had a tenuous connection okay. and and does a lot of talking about Eli uh, about Sir Elliot Gould called Eli Gould, uh, Elliot uh, Elliot Gould, uh, and just start thinking I would really wish rather they interviewed Elliot Gould. I've have seen Oceans Eight. I know he's still alive. Yeah, yeah okay. he did a cameo in that. I, I know he's still around. Go and get Elliot Gould, please, Babs. More from him, less from you. And uh, it's only because I'm just thinking I, I really want to see the guy whose films you keep talking about. You yeah, know. well, yeah. But uh, and obviously we can't talk to Bergman now. Oh, but uh, yeah, that's the thing. I really enjoyed it, and I, there are there's a lot in this. There's a lot of fun in the sort of minutia and uh, and the general insanity that builds up around a genuine one of a kind mind's general lifestyle. That I think it has crossover elements, yeah. but in that way, that to be fair, Hitchcock Truffaut did. You know that that had charm. You know that crossed yeah. that barrier between yeah. the cinephile and the general movie going audience. But uh, you and me, yeah. So you, literally, <laughs> you and I, sir. <laughs> Speaking of which, we still need to watch Idle Hands at some point. So yeah. let's not pretend we're too highbrow. Okay. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the Movie Marker Radio Show and Podcast. And we're back for one last ride, Mr. Colson. So, uh, should we have a piece of film news before we uh, both review Vice, then? Yeah, I've got one that I really like. Okay, you so, really like this news. Why do you really like this news? Rami Malek has responded... Brother, to, brother of Sammy Malek? Yeah, th- that exact You one. mean Sammy Malek's brother? <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. I just, I, I think it's unfair that Sammy gets overlooked by one letter. But, <laughs> go on. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, so he's responded to the singer allegations. Oh, the Brian Singer. The way, the way he's done it is fantastic. Go on, go on. What, what is it that's amused you about this? He's he's just basically said, I I was getting ready for a role. I paid no attention. I don't know. I wasn't there. It wasn't me. Bye. See you in a bit. I was doing the job. <laughs> what's the what's the Jar Rule tweet that came out this week about Fire Festival? I was hoodwinked, bamboozled, scammed. <laughs> I feel like it's that. Yeah, it <laughs> really is. Like his quote, this is a really long quote that's been like released. Does it just amount to the Jar Rule I was by Baboodle Scamp? <laughs> yeah, even to the point where at one point he says, I never really looked it up. Like, <laughs> dude... <laughs> really <laughs> try a little harder please yes a little bit oh wow i just, I just think that's fantastic that he's responded by just saying i, I ah. wasn't there it wasn't me i don't know ask somebody yeah. <laughs> It's literally what it is isn't it yeah. good lord i mean the best part is i, I, I can't understand for the life of me I mean, the timing of this having this having come up again yeah. is obviously tied on tied to two things. It's obviously because uh, you know Bohemian Rhapsody's yep. been nominated for best picture. Yeah. Ryan Marlon's been nominated for best uh, best actor. Yeah. But of course, if it's nominated for best picture, Brian Singer, as far as I know, is a producer on it. Which means Brian Singer has won an Oscar. The producer gets that gets the Oscar if they win best yeah, picture. Yeah, you know, it, it the Oscar is the producer's then so it's it's a little insane i mean i think after is it rowan polanski and woody allen i think he's the third uh, the third person to be nominated for best picture with Out with an outcry of sexual allegations around them. Right. Which is a terrifying statistic. It is. It is. I mean, I know we had the whole thing like last year, surrounding last year, was, okay, this year we need to talk about women. We need to talk about the way women are treated. Yeah. It just seems really bizarre to me that we then need to go forward in years to come and have an Oscars year in which the central thesis is going to be, yeah, when people keep talking about how someone's apparently a sex offender, stop giving them awards and a profile. Yeah. But, uh, which seems like something we should kind of know. Yeah, well, yeah. But, <laughs> we're funk. I know. But, uh, I know. yeah, okay, so let's talk about something infinitely more fun, then. Yes. Let's talk about Vice. Let's talk about Which Vice. is Adam McKay's now Oscar-nominated yeah. uh, biopic, well, biopic dramedy, black comedy chronicling the career of dick cheney vice president dick cheney and yeah. it's from his it's pretty much from his uh, from his college days isn't it yeah we literally st- we first meet him in his college days chronologically yep and it takes us all the way up to his his sort of present day now because yeah. cheney's still around as far as i know isn't he yeah i think so right so it's christian bale under heavy prosthetics yes amy adams is uh lynn cheney Cheers. And we've also got the likes of Steve Carell as Donald Rumsfeld, Sam Rockwell as George W. Bush. I think... uh, Who else turns up in there now? Insane because there's there's just an insane number of people who just turn up the small roles it's in this. The, the guy from Weeds that I never. There's a lot of of cable TV comedians yeah. do turn up in small roles in this. And also, I will be honest. I have seen I have seen W since I've uh, last seen this. I've seen right. it maybe twice. Yeah. I've seen W since, and the two are blurring together in my head. Okay, okay. but okay. So it is the story of Dick Cheney. How he uh, became the vice president. How he had ties to Halliburton, and basically, ooh how this Machiavellian genius you know, wheedled us into war in the Middle East purely for the sake of profits and oil. Here's a clip. Who was that? Someone from George Bush's son's uh, campaign. Jeb? No, 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 George W. Um, Jeb's Florida. Right, right. Oh, I still can't believe they've got that poor boy running for president. <laughs> What'd they want? They want to talk to me about being his running mate. What? No, well, they didn't say it outright, but uh, I made that call myself. That's what they want. The vice president is a nothing job. Yeah, you no, know, just hear him out. I owe that to the father. The VP just sits around and waits for the president to die. You've said so yourself. Yeah, it's a cruddy job. Yeah. That's just a meeting. Is it just a meeting? Mm, it's just a meeting. Good. So I really liked this, right? Okay, in spite of myself, I like this. Okay. Okay, I know you really liked it. I think I did. You think you did. Right, okay, let's go through your thing first. Why do you think you liked it? So, it starts off, Mm -hmm. little opening introduction. Okay. Laugh out loud. Yes, very much. And then you go through his earlier life, and you are sort of led to liking him. Yes I'm just going to say by the way When you said this opens Laugh out loud This literally opens with 9-11 no, So they're, <laughs> they're, I know I know they're, they're, The the writing on the screen the, like, the gags Yeah the gags yeah, yeah. It, The it, actual gags it, that come around got yeah, me I, I get Straight it. away mm-hmm. And then you sort of led to like him Right And then you're thinking Should you Should I like him And then you're explained that you shouldn't but they still they still keep gags for the first half they keep gags in the film Oh, of those gags all the way through whether or not they're still funny is subjective yeah but... and then because it's a film about a politician um usually they're be a little bit slower but this one's very quick paced to start off with and the the, the voiceover is really good in it and and then and then the bit oh, where the really... voiceover get there is a voiceover there too okay let me let me let me speed this up yeah Hang go for it okay so what you've got is effectively the big short dilemma yes okay so like the big short which obviously was a story about the guys who well directly profited off of the, the financial collapse who, yes. the housing bubble everything like that and obviously comes from Adam McKay so and stars a lot of the same cast members yes. so Steve Carell uh, Christian Bale etc um, right what you've got there is a dilemma whereby you are asked you're kind of allowed to like those characters before it is really dropped on you what it is they are doing and what they are responsible for yes so Cheney, if you don't know who Dick Cheney is has that issue here's the problem I know very well who dick cheney is i i've I paid attention to the news whilst he was in office yeah you know but only to be fair that's a cultural difference because I, I i am more focused on on you know american politics half the time than i am british exactly to be honest that's that's just purely out of boredom for things like brexit <laughs> and stuff like that but also their politics just seems so much more fun and sensational and weird <laughs> and wacky and lends itself naturally to you know two hour long dramedies by adam mckay Yes, of, yeah, yeah has there is always that innate sensationalism, yeah, so I get that. I think I think you've just exactly nailed to why I think I like it, but yeah. I'm not sure. My big issue with the film, and I really, really like the film, I, I enjoy it on just a base level of this exists, but I, but I did enjoy it. You know, I had a couple of laughs. I think Sam Rockwell and, uh, and Adam McKay have, have worked to create a pretty, uh, pretty amusing take on, on George W. Bush. The yep. way it's played is quite clever. Um, and I think Christian Bale's sensational. As, as, as cheney and he absolutely deserves that that best actor nod yep. because i think that performance is for, for me that performance was a lot more effective for instance than uh, than gary oldman's one in darkest hour last year right yeah largely by virtue of well at least this was a better movie than darkest <laughs> hour but having said that vice has nothing to say it has no perspective to offer that's unique to anything other than you could literally Wikipedia this movie, and you could Wikipedia, sorry, the the, the true story of this movie, you know, the the, the events that happened around it. You could literally just read the glossy, you know, bottled down Wikipedia bullet points of every particular event in this movie, and you basically get the same perspective as if you came away from watching Vice, which is it doesn't add a perspective or an opinion on that. And ten years ago, when W came out, and funny trivia point about that, Christian Bale was offered the lead role. In w and accepted it and eventually quit only because he didn't like the makeup effects they wanted to put on him to look like George W. Bush. And apparently, according to Oliver Stone, the makeup has to work for him. So he's really into it. So obviously, 10 years later, he's got the exact same opportunity. Yeah. And whereas W wasn't afraid to wildly speculate or anything like that, you know, the, there are scenes in, in W that are purely, clearly dramatized, sensationalist nonsense, but yeah. they fit Oliver Stone's perspective on what he thinks happened. And that's what Oliver Stone always did. Yeah. The Big Short has a lot of. That to it as well, yeah. And particularly yeah. the meta way in that which that is constructed. This isn't quite as meta the, as Big Short. I agree with that. I think it plays a lot, plays it a lot straighter. Right up until it can't come up with an ending, and then decides, now we're going to go meta. And that for me became an issue. There is a, there is a, a, a neat fourth wall breaking end credits gag, which is not quite what you expect. That I thought was really brilliantly played. Yeah. The humor of this I liked the 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 way in which it's resolved, and particularly because it ends on a gag that's really condescending, that really feels, and it comes after after uh, the delivery of the director's own needless insertion of his own obvious political leanings. Yeah, right. Yeah, which comes yeah. right at the end, and you should think we kind of got this all the way through. We knew that's the way this this film was stacked. Yeah. The way it had lent, it was leaning left. We knew that. You know, it is a it's a lefty's take on the right. That's fine. We Accepted that going in yeah. because it's a black comedy about a Republican vice president. You don't need to then tell me at the end, by the way, I vote left. We know, pal! Yeah. You know, I mean? it just seems it's, it's one of the reasons I, I think I like it. Yeah, it just there's needless stuff like that. You say if you trim that out, if you'd refined it, if you'd sharpen the edge, and oh, if you'd remembered to put a perspective or an opinion in it, this would have been something really great. As it is, I think it's something that's it's good, it's fine, it's enjoyable. Yeah, but I don't think it's anything more than that, and that's a real shame because I was all on board for this movie. I really was. So there's this, this three things I really like about it. Go on. I like how characters are introdu- introduced. Mm-hmm. So the the rummy bit. <laughs> I, I yes. like the little sort of sort of action comedy film. Here he is, bit of a close-up, some quick facts spat at you. <laughs> exactly. There is, there is that sort of brief, fleeting sort of retro video game mentality to it, yeah. I like Christian Bale. Uh, there's only two points where you sort of forget, uh, remember that it's him. Mm-hmm. And that's when I think his voice wanders back to Christian Bale. Because he's doing his Patrick Bateman all the way through, but with added age. Yeah. That's kind of what the voice is. Yeah, and then uh, the last one is there's mm. a scene where they're discussing things as a menu... Oh, God, yes. <laughs> That's fantastic. I, and you, that uh, I saw it and I was, I was watching and, and then it hit me what was happening. I was like, oh, that is good. <laughs> it is, but you do sit and think that... Here's, here's another issue with a film like Vice. Vice is something, is a film that would have had a place in the world, I would say, had, had, would, had there been a way for this to predate, basically, the rise of YouTube. Because the availability of Saturday Night Live political skits and things like that ensures that this kind of content is always out in the world. Yeah. And it's out there with more teeth. Yeah, And this feels like a real softball comedic effort at the side of the average Alec Baldwin Trump sketch. Yeah, The average Melissa McCarthy playing Sean Spicer. You know, these iconic things that have risen in the last... And even, even the time period in which this is set. Will Ferrell playing George W. Bush every week. Yes. Remember that? Yes. And you think how many of those sketches genuinely had more to say and had more, more just aggression in them and had more bite. And Adam McKay comes from that background. It so it's it's particularly mystifying to me that he's he's basically softballing his own his own history here. But uh So yeah talking to you about it now I've okay. gone from I think I like it to it had good points but not quite okay there we are I'm glad we agree yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have talked you round on this for the week then that's uh, that's my accomplishment here obviously this is not going to be uh, uh, film of the week cool. but, yeah uh, I wonder what is oh Destroyer is absolutely film of the week Just, honestly I cannot tell you how good Destroyer is I, my my you my my feeble flailings, <laughs> my feeble lingual flailings, cannot possibly measure up to how sheer badass destroyer is. I am in for that. I really. I want mean, to see really, that. right? Honestly, just but right, The end of Bradley Whitford's uh, scene. Honestly, it's fantastic. This movie is just great. Go and see it. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so next week, uh, some interesting Green Book is finally upon us next week, so let's see what the hype is about. Okay, uh, can you ever forgive me? Which I have seen. That is out next week, and uh, well, we're I mean, not under embargo for it, so I will tell you, it's uh, it's pretty good. Okay, it's, it's pretty damn good actually. Uh, escape Room is next week. Uh-huh. I'm looking forward to this because it's basically an act. It's, the plot is they go to an escape room. But they're then picked off one by one by various saw style traps. So, so like, yeah. Kel has written a horror film again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It basically is that. But this comes from the same school of thought as Hellfest. So uh, I am all in. in. Yeah, that sounds good. That you, watch, you watch Hellfest? No, but I, I heard I know Kel, Kel watching it, it in the other room. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've also got Burning, which is uh, the drama that uh, Stephen Yoon has gotten. You know Stephen Yoon from Walking Dead? Glenn from The Walking Dead. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, he's gotten a lot of praise for his role in, in this, which is a lengthy art house drama so I'm looking forward to that I'm uh, looking forward to see what he's got in the drama department quite liked him in Sorry to Bother You a few uh, a few months ago now was it a month ago or something yeah but uh, right so uh, yeah we've got all those to come and more next week off screen in the meanwhile this has been the Candy Store Production for Movie Marker I've been Van Connor I've been John Coulson and we shall return just show- the way to get out of here and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Offscreen for more movie news, reviews and more. Visit moviemarker.co.uk Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. Podcast extras and so let's uh, as of our cycle through the news the stuff we don't get to cover yeah in the I think, well we've got the oscar nominations still to talk about i suppose but uh let's have some general news some news first All right. Um, shoot. apparently there's a story that jeff bridges is going to be uh, uh, returning as the dude uh for a Super Bowl commercial really <laughs> but uh yeah so this follows that trend uh, uh last was it last year I can't remember, was it last year that Danny McBride teamed up with Chris Hemsworth and they did like a Crocodile Dundee uh Re- reboot as a series of adverts for, to- for tori- tourism in Australia. Right, yep, yep. This was a whole thing and they staged it as if it was a, as if it was marketing for a new Crocodile Dundee movie. <laughs> and that the plot was they were going to go and find uh, uh, Paul Hogan's character. Right, with you. Like that Danny McBride was the <laughs> estranged long-lost son of Crocodile Dundee oh, and he was wow. on a search for his lost dad. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, you'd have watched the shit out of that movie, wouldn't you? <laughs> you really would. <laughs> you really would. <laughs> so, other thing that's interesting about this, it, uh, uh, Jeff Bridges apparently returning as the dude for what's clearly going to be like a Super Bowl spot or something. Yeah. So I would say this pedigree. Yeah, but and I didn't know this until recently. There is a film coming up uh, later this year. It's called uh, Going Places. Right, and John Turturro who's also a cast member from Big Lebowski, is going to be reprising his character from Big Lebowski in this movie. Right. Yeah. Right. So, I, love, um, I love him in the film. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we're on podcast extra, so we can do the line, nobody fucks with the Jesus man. <laughs> yeah. Guess that really long, protracted sequence in which he uh, blows his fingers on the, the air vents. and Oh, I love that movie. Do you know, I watch The Big Lebowski about once a year, and every time I do, I'm blown away by how much fun it is. It, yeah. I, I, think, I, think, I think the people in it are enjoying it. Of course they are. It's, it's just, a great movie, bro. Just, Yeah. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. <laughs> uh... Did you see, by the way, any of Punisher Series 2 yet, by the way? Uh, so we've, we've watched the first uh, one or two. Oh, right, okay. So, so, so you've seen the bar fight? I've seen the bar fight. Oh, my God, so good, isn't it? Wow. <laughs> they went in. They, they they really went for it. Now, how long do you think that actually was in terms of minutes? Like, felt like 20 minutes, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. Like 20 minutes of uh, straight, unbroken brawling. Yeah. I, it was brutal. I, like we're gonna check it through about four and a half. I know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was brutal. I, like people die. It is aggressive. Like people die, but but not easily. Not e- <laughs> death is a hard thing to come by in the Punisher universe. And some of them die really. Like you're like I mean you're not a good guy, but I didn't want that for you. That like, <laughs> it is that just makes me feel sorry for all your <laughs> all your relatives. Who are gonna have to see that man. <laughs> no, yeah. Wow. Definitely not an open casket for that guy. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. God, it was, it was, it was a hard watch. Like there's, there's a moment in it where me and Kel physically, like, we were, we were shocked, and we both, you know, when you both sort of like, like, sit up in your seat and you're like, oh, when you're just constantly tense. Oh, that happened. (laughs) Oh man, it's, it's, uh, it's, it was a great series. I got through all of it. And there are more scenes like that. None quite as long in, in OTT, but there are some great action sequences in it. Really loved it. And also John Burnford. God, he's the man. He's great. He's great. But I think that the series is so much better in the second series. The story, the writing is so much stronger. But uh, I, I think, yeah, I can't wait. I so can't wait. Um, another piece of film news, which I, I, I was very happy to hear about. Uh-huh. Uh, you actually pointed this out to me. Uh, Ed Newmyer, who's the writer and producer of the upcoming RoboCop Returns. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's, uh, he's given us an update And uh, yeah So apparently This is, apparently this has been around for a few years This is based on A very rough sequel That they had written Apparently Back in 1988 That the writer's strike They had around the time Shut down Yeah And uh, so That's what they've That's apparently What they've revived For Neil Blomkamp yeah. So yeah, this is going to be uh, this is going to be fascinating. And this apparently is going back to uh, to the well, so to speak. This is going back to yeah. the original, even though Frank Miller's apparently already released his original RoboCop two as a comic book. Oh, and it's not that terribly different from the actual movie RoboCop two. Okay, it's it's just played a little bit more seriously. Yeah, but it's for all intents and purposes kind of the same story, maybe a little bit heightened in Frank Miller's comic book original. Just as long as we stay away from that reboot, <laughs> I think we're all right. Yeah, that reboot was goddamn terrible. It was man. awful. Do you know, I was organising my T-shirt draw earlier, and I found one of the promotional T-shirts for RoboCop's reboots. And you uh, threw it away? No, no, I keep it because it's still got the, the, the OCP logo still looks kind of the same, so I still uh, wear it. Yeah. No one has to know. Okay. I've worn it in the gym a couple of times. I used to have the badge on my bag. The OCP badge? Yeah. Is RoboCop not just one of the best movies ever made? Um... Like I, I would go to well, maybe not the best movies. One of my favorite movies ever made, Robocop. It's got one of the best, most brutal scenes. Which one? Uh, Just they're getting shot up. Oh, well, his his actual (laughs) Christ-style sacrifice and execution thing. Yeah, I know. By Red from that (laughs) seventy. See, I don't like gaps, so they don't like me. <laughs> or is it cops don't like me so I don't like cops it's, it's a great film <laughs> when I impersonate him I always sound like Jim Jeffries. it's so weird <laughs> it's not like Jim Jeffries doing an American accent it's so bizarre but when is he coming back to TV? I miss him. Anyway, uh, so. <laughs> but yeah, Neil Blomkamp's Robocop Returns, which we hadn't heard about for a good long while. But apparently, um, it's been there's, a while, a, there's a renewed interest in it now because of Creed and uh, the Halloween uh, uh, reboot call that we had. Right, yeah. This idea of going back and doing a sequel to decades old movies. Yeah, yeah. You know, which I think I said recently is how often does that happen? That used to be quite rare. I mean, Ghostbusters came back yeah. obviously quite recently as well. And. But yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting what Neil Blomkamp can do with a RoboCop movie. I'm I'm intrigued as hell. Yeah, I'm there. I'm there. Like, yeah, that's that's exactly the tone. He, like, you look at something like Chappie. Yeah. Think, oh my god. Okay. if We're getting the American set, kind of proper US set thing. That's like Chappie, and you're doing a RoboCop sequel. I'm in on that because yeah. his 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 the way he makes his, animat- his animatronics and his CGs look like animatronics is brilliant. Yeah. Big fan. Okay. But uh, yeah, so, you know, there's that. Um, So uh, Sandra Bullock is doing another Netflix movie. I haven't seen the Bird Box. Bird Box. No, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I haven't either. Uh, but uh, I think like Kel said, Kel's seen it and yeah. she said it, she said it was uh, right. decent. I think yeah. yeah. But uh, the, the weird thing about this one though is, first of all, it's going to be directed by Chris McKay, who's doing the Lego Batman movie, right? Uh, who did? Oh, what was the movie he did that got him that job in the first? Oh no, he did. Uh, he did the Lego Batman movie. He's doing the Nightwing movie. Sorry, that's it. Right, that's how it works. Uh, but he's doing. It's uh, a Miller World comic. Oh, it's you know Mark Miller's label. Yeah. He, uh, Netflix bought him out. Right. Well, not bought him out. They bought the company and made him sound like a, a, an exclusive talent deal. Okay. And his whole thing is now he runs his own cinematic universe for Netflix. It's kind of cool. Which is cool because there's a couple of his comics I've always wanted to see adapted oh. that have never been done and apparently are now being done. Give us the um, list. Yeah, so Chosen is a biggie. Right. And Chosen is... I think it turns up, actually, there's a poster in the background in one of the kick-ass movies. Oh, right. Cool, cool. Chosen. Um the, the, this will the good kicker, or the I think it might be a sequel. Sadly, but it's a post of a chosen, and the idea is what would happen if uh, if Christ came back today. Yeah, if Christ actually returns, it's, it's played in a Mark Millerish way. Right, I think it's American Jesus when it's in comic form, and the series is going to be called Chosen. Okay. I think that's how it works. Uh, the idea as well is that there's Jupiter's Legacy, etc. More more Miller will stuff like that. It's getting adapted for Netflix as part of it. That sounds but cool. Sandra Bullock is going to do one. It's called Reborn. Right now, I will confess to you, I'm not really in on my uh, on my, uh, my my Miller World right. titles, to be honest. Uh, apparently, the story follows a woman named Bonnie Black who dies in a Manhattan hospital and finds herself reborn in a dystria, the land of the afterlife that holds her family and friends, along with monsters and dragons and a war between good and evil forces. Okay, that sounds. If if Sandra Bullocks in there, you can kind of imagine they're not going to play that too silly. Yeah. Like, there's a certain level of seriousness that Sandra Bullock can't operate below. I thought you were going to call her Sandy B. Sandy B? Yeah. <laughs> what sit you seriously think? The silliest Sandra Bullock can be, even in terms of her rom-coms and things like that, the silliest she can be on the tonal barrier is like Demolition Man. You know, that's, that's really about as slapstick as she can actually get, I think. The proposal? The proposal... To the yeah window. okay maybe yeah. yeah to the window yeah. yeah oh man how good is the proposal it is, it is. It's so good yeah, it is. <laughs> just one of those movies isn't it it's ryan reynolds yeah yeah it also gave us you know that ryan reynolds reaction gif that we all <laughs> <Yeah>. use <laughs> You know. <laughs> but uh, yeah so reborn I, i'm intrigued now actually if sandra bullock's doing a title like that because it sounds a bit what dreams may come oh, right, although yeah, yeah. you'd kind of hope they don't play it that seriously yeah uh, right so let's have another look we've got uh, okay you know Kevin Hart did that movie The Upside recently with uh, with STX uh, STX Entertainment they're kind of the new game in town as far as studios go um, with um... The Cran Man yeah yeah yeah, yeah. The Cran <laughs> The Man. Cran Man oh wow <laughs> The Cran Dog yeah Brian Cranston so that was the Cran Dog really The Cran Dog okay. he's the Cran Dog oh Man. wow <laughs> it's the same way that George Clooney's he's the Cloontang <laughs> Look, American Dad invented that one, not me. Okay, so um, that was uh, the remake of uh, the Intou- the Intouchables, which yeah. film I very much enjoyed. Uh, the upside is a perfectly fine american language translation but it's kind of nothing more than that yeah uh but kevin hart's very good in it okay and evidently stx entertainment who is a newish kind of studio but i think they're heavily funded uh through investors in china i think that's the whole thing it's a chinese american sort of co-studio and the idea is to sort of get the audience crossover going right uh they produced obviously and funded uh the upside and they uh, they're, they're their sort of output really varies between schlocky comedy and something a little deeper, which is kind of what uh, the upside is. It's, it's, the, the transition between them was quite strange. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they evidently really enjoyed Kevin Hart's work in the upside. They're going to they're, they're team up for two more movies with him. Huh. Yeah, I mean, he's already booked for most of this year because of Jumanji or Jumanji 3, you know, which, uh, by the way, Danny Glover's joined that. Yes. Danny Glover's in Jumanji 3. Yeah, yeah. Jumanji 3. I mean, I mean, he's not too old for this shit. He's not. He's not too awful at all. I think. Sorry to bother you. Kind of perfected that for him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Use your white voice. <laughs> I love Danny Glover's voice. I just. I just love the guy. I mean, how no one got him to do a voiceover uh, role in in The Lion King just somewhere? Like I would have had Danny Glover take the place of James Earl Jones to be Mufasa if they are, if if they hadn't actually been up to the idea of him replacing uh, him returning. Yeah, because it's still odd to me that he's doing that performance again. Is. Um go on irons jeremy irons oh no jeremy irons isn't returning no that's Chewy tell edgy four for the new version so y- you oh, look crushed s- oh, the fuck off i am out really like i mean i was already out because <laughs> let's not talk about the jungle book again <laughs> <laughs> that really scarred you it, didn't it hey stop kicking my childhood but like sorry man just just you guys suck <laughs> Look, come on! It's got John Oliver in it. Don't be a downer. No, nah, he sucked so- thats a lie. I like that guy. I mean, did, did you really expect him to bring like all the voice cast back? That that really wasn't going to work. Jonathan Taylor Thomas would not play a cute young Simba now. That wouldn't work. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best I've got. I mean, Jonathan Taylor Thomas is going to be more like forty-five by now. <laughs> I mean, the, the guy probably wears like dad pants now. And just, you know, and you know what? I still remember that movie he did with uh, Chevy Chase. I remember seeing that actually at the theater, uh, the, the cinema. Sorry, uh, Man of the House. It was a 1994 sort of family comedy starring Chevy Chase as a sort of stepdad who moves in with his girlfriend and her son. The son is uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, and they bond by joining all sort of the father-son Boy Scouts together. The weird thing is, this this happens around the exact same time that The Simpsons does exactly that as an episode. All right. So yeah, are you actually adding that to your watch list? My bad. I'm just looking at how much they've ruined the Lion King. Oh God, <laughs> let it go, man. Anyway, so um, the thing that intrigued me about the Kevin Hart story is one of the two movies he's going to do with STX is apparently a body switching comedy called Black Friday, oh. which I love because there's Freaky Friday, the body swap movie, and then Black Friday. That's fantastic. Yeah. Good. Kevin Hart finally found a, a film title that didn't already have Friday. It didn't already have Black stuck in front of it. <laughs> you know, like, they, they, they keep doing that sometimes. But also, how pissed off is Ice Cube going to be when he comes back to reboot the Friday series and blah, Friday's taken? Oh, yeah. Because that was an obvious reboot, wasn't it? Yeah, to do well. the Thanksgiving Friday movie. Yeah, I mean, this still could. There, there is another Friday one coming out, isn't it? Fourth Friday. No, I fine. think there is. I think there's like Final Friday or the la, or Last Friday or something like that that's coming out. I'm sure there is. <laughs> Final Friday. There's going to be so many more. There is. Jason goes to hell. The Final Friday. There is that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> my my knowledge of really crap, directed video, 1994 horror movies will astound you. <laughs> but uh, I have seen a boob. I promise. Yeah. I promise. I've, I've 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 touched a boob in my lifetime. I promise, just, mate. I just, promise. Just one. Just one. <laughs> single one. Okay. That's <laughs> why so I typically think you have to pay for such a privilege. I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding. Anyway. <laughs> but yes, uh, so Black Friday, body switcher comedy uh, from, starring Kevin Hart. I'm in on that. That sounds quite interesting. I'd, I'd, I'd see that. I like Kevin Hart. I still want to know what ever happened to that movie about the white guy that gets a concussion and then he is in a voice as Ice Cube. What? But that's a movie that apparently is in development somewhere. I can't find a record of it. I don't know what's happened to it. I need to see that movie. That sounds great. It does sound great, doesn't it? It does. (laughs) But no, I really want to see that. So uh, we should probably finish talking about the Oscars before we wrap up, by the way. Are we we going to avoid the dumpster fire? The The dumpster fire? Like the movie pass. Oh, God, MoviePass. They're really trying to distance themselves from MoviePass. Like the investors of it, you know. It's the entire thing's ridiculous. Oh, good Go God. Go see movies as much as you want and we'll take the bill and shock horror. It doesn't make any money. Yeah, imagine that. <laughs> Although the weird thing is, you just know, right, okay... Right. You know that right? I've had this happen before because over, over the years I've done like show pictures and yeah. you, you've heard stories from me about this. Yeah. Like, you do show pictures and someone's involved and then obviously the show doesn't work out and you find out like down the line that they've gone around touting the exact same show as a pitch themselves. Yeah. Right. But of course because it's not their idea they never get the stuff that's actually behind, they never get the gags behind everything, stuff like that. So it never quite works. Yeah. Movie Pass feels like someone like that went to a Cineworld or an Odeon, saw one of their loyalty card schemes yeah. thought oh we can do that just, i'll make yeah. that idea yeah and then didn't think for one second about how the fuck it worked <laughs> it just just the yeah just uh, yeah like, it's, yeah it's exactly that and then, and when, then when you heard about movie pass the very first time yeah right, did you not have that thought to yourself that same thought i had which is well big whoop we've had that at cinema chains for years yeah like what's the what's the scandal here and then you found out that it was like and he said okay well that doesn't work as a business clearly because there's no way to structure that as a business you've absolutely nailed it with they've seen the unlimited card and uh, and, and then for Cineworld and then just just missed the point they've, they've, they've just We'll one-up it. Any cinema. <laughs> let, let, me, let, me, let me tell you a story about that. Let me tell you a story about that. Okay, so when, when my sister and I were kids, right, yes. and it was the first year we lived in Kuwait, okay, sure. we lived in this this nice apartment block, and uh, all the sort of expat kids like us, mm. you know, uh, the, the, all the Western kids, as you want to call them, um, were going out trick-or-treating in the building, right, you know, on Halloween. Nice. You know, because it is like it's like community anyway. This so is where we got young vampire van photographs. No, no, that was that was like five years before this. Oh, God. This yeah. Is awesome. Anyway, so uh, my sister and I in costume during the rest of the kids, and we're around the building, we're, we're trick-or-treating. Right. And um, the thing was, as we quickly discovered, that the uh, the local kids who lived in the building didn't typically like to sort of, sort of mix with us and associate with us because they just didn't get our humour and stuff like that. Just, just kind of like that. You know, kids are. They sort of faction off into their little cliques, don't yeah. they? Yeah. And uh, what happened was, because it wasn't a cultural thing that they got... Right. They saw... As far as they saw, we, the the, the expat kids, were simply wandering from apartment to apartment, knocking on the door, and being given candy. Now, you can imagine my mum's surprise. Like, later on in the night, this goes exactly where you think it does. This is great. This goes exactly where you think it (laughs) does. And it will give you a line that you will use in stories forever. Right. (laughs) So... Later that night, my sister and I chilled out, you know, costumes off, you know, just chilling in their pyjamas on the couch. I think I was watching Terminator 2 for the 90th time. It was either that or Tiny Toons, How I Spent My Summer Vacation. Because my sister and I owned one movie each and we just rotated it. (laughs) That is exactly how it goddamn worked. Love it. When my sister got fern gully a week later, I thanked God that I never had to see Tiny Toons, How I Spent My Summer Vacation ever again. And I could still sing every song from that. I know every lyric. But we sat there, we're watching, I think, Terminator 2. And uh, my replacement movie, by the way, was *Lethal Weapon* three. If you're oh, wondering, sweet. Um, so going *Lethal Weapon* three. Anyway, so we sat there watching TV. Knock at the door. My mum opens. There was just two, uh, two of the local kids, uh, two little girls, kind of been older than sort of eight or nine. And one simply points at the other and says, "She wants sweets." Amazing. And my mum, bless her, explained the process <laughs> of Halloween to this little girl. And she did give us some sweets. She gave us some of our sweets, in fact. I don't think we cared, because we were just kind of intrigued by what the hell was going on. (laughs) Like, we weren't even going to argue. And my mum explained the process of Halloween (laughs) to these two little girls, who otherwise had effort... And and they were empty-handed. And we lived on the seventh floor. I can't believe that we were the first apartment they'd gone to. Like, you would randomly pick, like, (laughs) 701 or whatever it was we were. So So we're wondering how many apartments they've been to before this. (laughs) Told to jog off. Where where they had simply knocked on the door, said (laughs) she wants sweets about the other one, not been given anything, told to sod off, and they had somehow and how many floors they'd worked through doing this before my mother had taken the time to explain. That's what I think about every time I hear about MoviePass. Yeah, yeah. Well, that is a company <laughs> that did that with the Cineworld Unlimited card, the Odeon Limitless card, <laughs> anything That's like that. the name of it that I was thinking of. Is it that? Limitless? Yeah. Is, um, The Light Has One, is that, I think that's Infinity as well I think your light has infinity yeah odious limitless yeah, yeah that's how it works but yeah I think of that story every time oh that's so good so always remember that story that is so <laughs> it's, it's so good it's just such always sticks out uh, every time I knock uh, on your door from now I'm going to point to whoever I'm with and say they she want wants sweets, sweets. <laughs> yeah well my sister and I still do that to one another yes. to this day that is great <laughs> So somehow this tenuously oh that wasn't that wasn't tenuously tied yeah, Movie MoviePass sucks. MoviePass um, sucks. There it didn't go. work and it's hilarious and but, it keeps cropping up. They keep going though. Like the investors, the company like the investment venture capitalist firm whatever that owns it filed like legal motions to restructure their own company. Wow. Right, to insulate them from the financial damage of, of MoviePass. And they only did this like a fortnight ago. It's just And you start to keep. Good Lord, it took you that long to get to the stage of thinking, shit, this ship ain't being saved. Oh, I'll just... Honestly, I love it when, when I read a headline and it says Movie Pass. I'm just like, oh, yes, what crap has gone on this time? <laughs> so it's still, still not working, so we're going to pump some more money in oh, and it's... hopefully it'll start working. It's just <laughs> watching a slow motion car crash. I just really it? love the idea that dudes in America are just like, I'm going to go see loads of films. And then it changed to you can only see a film once. And then it went back. And then, oh. it, and then it changed. They were, they were going to trial uh, you can see these three films you could go see. And then, oh, just. just I'm sorry, um, sidetrack, but it was. It's it the has marriage. reached that stage with MoviePass where it is absolutely plausible that at some stage they will introduce a tier where it is twenty nine ninety five per month via via electronic transfer, a standing order, direct debit, or whatever, mm. and in exchange you can watch one movie after two pm on the third Tuesday of every month. Yeah, it is, it, it, that is not outside the realm of plausibility for <sighs> everything that's gone on with MoviePass. I cannot fathom how there are grown men. In business, who genuinely looked at this company for this long and thought, "Yeah, we could save this one." Maybe it's long game, and they're <sighs> going to bring a movie out about MoviePass. <laughs> well, it's like my baby. I wouldn't shot me, but it's like the discovery. It was announced, I think, the other, a couple of days ago that Netflix this next year yeah. are going to spend fifteen billion on content, fifteen billion dollars wow. on content. And I'll work that out, and just think. Let's say wow. the Avengers, for instance. Let's say Avengers: Age of Ultron. I think is like a uh, a, t- a quarter of a billion. It costs like two hundred and fifty million. so. Oh God, it was crap. Wow. Right. And that's. <laughs> but, but think of the scale yeah, 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 and, and yeah. the stars and the salaries and. All of what costs for Avengers: Age of Ultra, which is still extreme. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but you know, you need to you need to buy Robert Downey Jr. half of a sovereign nation every single time he plays Iron Man. Now, so technically speaking, if he gets another trilogy at some point, he could actually own the physical world. Okay, but you know, just at the rate that he's able to buy small countries now. But <laughs> but if you look at it like that, fifteen you know, fifteen by four. Yeah. So, imagine being able to put out 60 Avengers Age of Ultron scale movies in a year. They won't do that. A lot of those will be TV shows and things. Yeah. You think about uh, Game of Thrones costing 100 million a series. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, imagine being able to put out 150 seasons of Game of Thrones in a year mm. or something like that. You but... heard about Game of Thrones? What about uh, The season runtime. Oh, even... yeah, it's like, they're like films each, aren't they? So, even though uh, there's only six episodes? The six, yeah. It's only two minutes shorter than the previous season. Bloody hell. (laughs) So they're like 60 minutes, 80 minutes. To be fair, there's a lot to get through. There's a fair bit. Yeah, and they dawdled in some some of the seasons. They did dawdle a little bit. You know what I love about Game of Thrones, though? What I really love is that last season we just had, yeah. I think, was the first one that's not written, the first one that's been written without an actual book in existence yeah. to refer to. Yeah. And boy, does it show, because all of a sudden, the pacing of that show suddenly picks right the hell up. Yeah, it really does pick up. It really, really ramps up. The last up. season of that show felt like a conventional uh, network drama's third season yeah. kind of scale. You know that one when they just hit it big, like the third season of The X-Files, and that suddenly ramps up in, in gloss fact. Or Buffy, or something like that. Buffy, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I need to revisit Buffy soon. Kel did recently, and that's why I laugh. Because uh, she loves me some Buffy. I just used to wake up to, because it was on like Netflix or whatever, I just mm. used to wake up to hearing Buffy being like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I love Buffy. I've never watched it. So many classic. It, it just, there's so much of that that series that just bled into the consciousness. Uh, yeah, I've never watched it. The only thing I, I, I sort of remember about it is my, my dad. Shout out to my dad. Yeah. Uh, Watched Angel. Oh, Angel was great. Angel, I mean, it was a different show every season. could have been, but my dad watched it, so I thought it was shit. Your dad has the TV taste of a 13-year-old girl, though, to be fair. Yeah, because he's crackers. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing with Buffy, right, if you watch it now, right, with the perspective of the 32-year-old man, 32... Oh, I thought you meant my dad. I was like, "No, you." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, am yeah, 32. Right. So if you watch it now with the perspective of a thirty-year-old man, you're watching it for more or less the first time with the, you know, that, that mindset and yeah. yeah, an adult viewpoint adult vantage point yeah you watch it now you will actually look at a lot of things in buffy and think good lord that that what they've just said <laughs> Remember when people used to say that oh. but you won't consider of course that that buffy is literally where these things came from oh right, right. you know yeah. it, it's it's very strange in that way yeah. but uh, i mean it gets a bit shit in the later seasons but a lot of things do though, let's be honest i mean the fourth season the college one is a bit Bonkers! It goes a bit silly and cartoonish, even by its own standards. Isn't there a musical one? There's a musical that's in the sixth season, which is another one that goes a bit off the rails. I think the only series that did a musical well was Scrubs. Yes, yeah, I'll absolutely agree with that. I love Scrubs. No, I mean there is. What was the one? There was another musical one I really liked. I can't remember. Did Bones do a musical? Of course, probably did. I just I I lost touch with Bones. Oh, mate, it was terrible. We loved it. I'm about four seasons behind on Bones. Seriously. I think I'm about that. Yeah, and it's over over now. Yeah, oh, God, yeah. I mean, I watched... I watched (laughs) right up until uh, 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 Bones Wilson left... You know when 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 sweets left. Ah, uh, oh mate, yeah, there's loads. I know there's tons after it. I yeah, mean, I say there's loads. Like they do the same thing every show. Well, yeah. oh, I, I, I don't know if I told you that the series I've been obsessed with for a little bit now, MacGyver. Oh, Don't, man. It sucks. You've made me. You made me watch an episode. And you looked at me. You like it's great, wasn't it? I was like, no, it, no, no. <laughs> it's great because it's terrible. I mean, it is just. It's the worst. <laughs> but oh my god, I mean. It shows absolutely no sense of of uh, of, of taking itself seriously. I mean, this. I watched an episode of it recently, which it literally opened with the the X Men bit part actor who plays MacGyver. Now um, he and his friends. Oh yeah. What you know about? Did you just realise that that's uh, Havoc? Yes. That Lucas Hill is Havoc from X Men. Yeah. Ah. You know the guy they bring back for like a second and then <laughs> nuke him in the third in X Men Apocalypse? Yeah. Yeah, that guy just dies suddenly for no reason yeah, it's because Pop- they've seen MacGyver and are like you know what mate you don't deserve a job <laughs> they've just, they just gotten to that I stage saw like you, no. I saw you take a train apart with a biro jog yeah. on improvise this bitch because <laughs> 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 that's the MacGyver character yeah, yeah. what do we do we improvise yeah, yeah, yeah. you know that's the whole thing I was aware I've seen but, the show, uh, but yeah it's spectacularly bad there's literally an episode that opens with MacGyver and his friends and it's, and it's in like Haiti I think and they're, they're, they're all like sawing wood and lumber and they're pulling together the frame for a house And the first spoken line of dialogue, "I shit you not," and this is from MacGyver, an adult human being. He says the following words: "Thanks for using your vacation days to come and help me build homes for the uh, homes for the uh, is it homes homes for these displaced hurricane victims, guys." That's literally a line of dialogue that opens this network TV show. And I just sat there at that moment and thought, you know what? If, you're gonna, if, if that's the level we're operating on, you've just found a friend for life, sir. <laughs> that, is, that is so brilliantly chock mozzarella full of cheese <laughs> that I just have to respect it. It's terrible. It is, it is the new scorpion for me. I don't even know how we got here. I don't. I don't. So <laughs> Oscars. Yeah, the Oscars. Yeah. We'll do those. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> best original screenplay this year at the Oscars. The favourite, first reformed, Green Book, Roma, and Vice. Right, Vice intrigues me. Yeah, really, Vice. Okay, I, I wouldn't call that the best piece of writing this year. Again, Destroyer exists. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Widows exists. Widows. I mean, come on, Widows is awesome. Right. Plus, I'm sorry, but have you seen Widows yet? No. Right, when you watch Widows, there is a moment in it in which Robert Duvall delivers the greatest fuck you in cinema in years. Okay. I'm not kidding. I have been desperately waiting for someone to put this specific clip on YouTube or in that app that gives you video reactions that you can send to people instead of text messages. Yeah. To just put that in, because I swear to God, I will use that thing to death. I will make you so tired of that, it's unreal. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, No, it, not looking. Is it better than... I'm going to punch you in the face. <laughs> it's that level of good. Really? It's that level of good, but it's Robert Duvall, so you know, it's made ten times more awesome. But uh, in terms of script for me, of those, of those uh, numbers, though, I mean, I thought First Reformed was great. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy Paul Schrader's got some recognition. I thought the favourite, though, was the obvious standout there for me. Yeah. I think the favourites a funnier movie than Vice. I really need mm. to see it. But you should, you should. I yeah. mean, subject, Kelly. But uh, best adapted screenplay, meanwhile. Some obvious ones. A Star is Born. I kind of expected that. It's going to win something. It is. Ballad of Busker Scruggs, uh, it's fine, I guess. You know, fair. It's a Coen Brothers script. I'm not terribly shocked to see it in there. Black Klansman. It should win something. Now, I thought Black Klansman, that, that's, a, that's a good winner for that. Yeah. Black Klansman is a great winner. Um, and also, I mean, there is the other side of that, though, which is, you know, there is a universe in which what happens if that then turns out to be the only one it wins? And we wind up with, oh, look, they've just done the same thing to Get Out as they did last year. Did This, as they did Get Out last year. Uh, Which is, oh, let's just bung it with a screenplay award. Yeah. And deny all the others. And I'm still pissed off by that, because I really think Get Out is a terrific movie. Yeah, Get Out's great. Uh, Also nominated, If Beale Street Could Talk. So, you know, Barry Jenkins coming off Moonlight. Moonlight was critical baby, wasn't it? Mm. Oh, they slipped that movie down like cheap Prosecco. (laughs) (laughs) and Can You Ever Forgive Me which uh, good script to be fair it's uh, very uh, early 90s Bill Murray at times oh cool a little bit like that that's that's one thing I'll say about it a little bit Bill Murray a little bit Rob Reiner and it's the director of uh, Diary of a Teenage Girl which I really loved. cool Uh, do we care about makeup and hairstyling no only three people got nominated for that okay Uh, costume design Uh, Black Panther's costume design by the way Uh, which which makes me very happy because the costumes are goddamn amazing yeah they should look ridiculous but no they, they absolutely work. Yeah. Like if you ever saw a Black Panther Black Panther, you know, uh, set bit of a comic or uh, you ever saw one of his animated movies or anything like that and the things he turned up in you would look at like the canon culture thing. If you bring this to the screen properly, it's going to look insane. Okay. And I- then you actually watch it and be like actually what you did was really brilliant. Ah, oh, cool. You know, I think that's a that would be a good one for that. Mary Poppins returns is up for that though. And the favorite and you know, Buster crazy thing. Yeah, but do they really require the imagination of Black Panther? Ditto so for uh, Mary Queen of Scots. I mean, Mary Poppins is just... It's a period piece costume, isn't it? It's, it's, it's easily searchable in vintage stores if you really want to slum it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, best cinematography though. Obvious one, Alfonso Cuarón for Roma. You sort of like, dude gave us Gravity. Of course, you know he's up, he's, his films up for cinematography. <laughs> that's fine, but uh, no, he he is actually he, he actually is the cinematographer though on Roma, which is right. the, the difference. But the the idea that Alfonso Cuarón movies up for best cinematography again, you just think hilarious. Yeah, because I loves me some some Gravity. Was it Emmanuel Lebesky I uh, Fell in love with that dude for uh, for Gravity. Gravity. Is great. Uh, Cold War is on there. Star is born, which is a very good looking movie. Yeah, yeah, it's a it, sexy looking movie. It is. A, it is. A good look. You really get that smoky bar, you know, the smell of stale beer and the smoky bar feel from it, kind of thing. Yeah, you do. You do. Uh, Never Look Away, which I haven't seen as yet. I think the favourites a bit a bit kind of obvious fact. It's a good-looking movie, again. But I do think it's less imaginative, for instance, than... uh, than, I, I keep using the word imaginative. Inventive. I think A Star Is Born. I think they do more with it. Those scenes when they they're performing on stage, for instance, when they're doing the concert stuff. The concert stuff's terrific. Yeah, it looks great. It looks fantastic. It's and I've said it like seven times. It has to win something. Mm. Oh, um, it's winning best song, what are we on about? It's clearly gonna win best oh, song. Oh yeah. <laughs> of course. That that's not that is this year's because there's one every year. Yeah. Every year there's that obvious one, isn't there? It's like why, why? even bother showing up? I feel bad for the other the other other artists who have to show up to do the live performance. Yeah, oh, Cause, you because yeah. they do it every year where they all the or all, all the contestants kind of for all the tests, <laughs> all the nominees sing their songs. Yeah, that's how you want like Pharrell at the, uh, the Oscars singing Happy. Yeah, you know shit like that. Oh um, yes. that it's going to win. Yeah, but I feel kind of bad because really Bradley Cooper looks like he smells like whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like he smells like whiskey. Yeah, but... yeah. He look he he does. He looks like he smells like. He just A looks like, star. like stale cigarettes sweating yesterday's aftershave. Yeah. You know, that's kind of what he like, looks like you feel when you're around him. Bit of piss and vomit and you're there. <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, that's not the obvious best song one. I think A Star Is Born will get there for, for cinematography. I think it's quite possible. I think the obvious thing, though, is it's either going to go to Roma or The Favourite. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. At, I, either of those I think is equally likely. Okay. Uh, but yeah, best original song. This is the thing. We know. We know. Let's Starry just go part. for what the other ones are. Right. All the stars from Black Panther, which is is my favourite of these. It's my favourite of all the songs. I, but then again, you know, I could be biased because I like the movie. There's Out Fight from RBG, which I didn't even remember as being in the film. There's the, Where Lost Th- the, the Place Where Lost Things Go from Mary Poppins Returns, which I don't even particularly think is the strongest song in Mary Poppins. You know that nothing's gone forever, only out of place. You know that one? Yeah. Uh, shallow from Star is Born. And When a Cowboy Trades His Spurs for Wings from The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which, not a prayer. Yeah. Not a prayer. I don't think the Mary Poppins one. It's not the best song in the film, you're right. I was, that's why I was, I was thinking, like, mm. it's not, yeah. It's, so. Do you know the Lin Manuel Miranda song at the beginning about lovely old London sky? Yeah. That is a more memorable song mm. than Where lost, play, lost Things Go. I like, yeah. But uh, no, I think the obvious one there is shallow. I think it's going to walk away with it. We're having a laugh if we're convincing ourselves of anything else. Hundred yeah. percent, right? Yeah. yeah, this, yeah. Which brings you to best original score, though. Right. This yeah. is where uh, mm. Black Panther. You think Black Panther? Now that's that's kind of what I'd give. But there are some interesting choices on here. Now I haven't seen if Beale Street could talk yet, so I can't comment on that. Fair enough. Right. I have seen Black Panther, though, obviously, and I do love that score. And I particularly love that movement when he's in the spiritual realm talking to his father, and Ludwig Göransson's uh, swell at that point, the way way that music just goes for what should be hyper-melodramatic OTT stuff, but the authenticity in it really sells it. Lovely score. However, other contenders, Black Klansman. Now think of the score from that for a moment which is very of its time which is very rooted in the 70s which is very scratchy very soul jazz you know what I mean yeah. it's got that almost that early disco influence in there yeah, yeah. and it's a really good score can't yeah. deny it then there's uh, Isle of Dogs, which is uh, that's a wacky one. I haven't yeah. seen that. No, that's that's, a, that's obviously that has to be Japanese inspired because of uh, the setting of it. Right. Uh, but it is it's a playful, cartoonish score. And if we're going for inventiveness, then yes, it probably is the most inventive of the, of of them. Um, and also, Mary Poppins Returns. But I don't think the score is particularly the most memorable thing. I remember it being there and I remember it making it feel, helping it feel like Mary Poppins. It did its job, but it wasn't. I felt serviceable with the score. Yeah, so we're saying it's going to most likely be Star is Born. Oh, no, Star is Born would be Soundtrack. No, for this one. I'm I'm actually thinking it could be Black Panther. Yeah, I'm thinking Black Panther. So I even said that. (laughs) I'm so yeah, because, I mean, I've said it before. I am, you know, mainly heavier music Hmm. and I loved every bit of sound in that film just full stop it, 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 yeah hmm. it, shall we do shall we hang we on should, go think. on last one last one uh, best animated feature okay okay so this one is astounding to me. This is the category I got really pissed off at, I'm not going to lie. Okay. Okay. Now, I haven't done a radio slot this week yet Right. Uh, for, for the Oscars. Okay. Uh, if you want the honest truth, it's because I was asleep when the BBC phoned me and asked me to do it. Wow. Yep. And I missed the call by three minutes. Uh, <laughs> I, really, so. I really hope it was like one in the afternoon or something. Just to make no, it, really it was only like, like eight o'clock in the <laughs> no, morning. Mess, like a eight in the morning. But okay. So best animated feature. Mirai. Okay, which is the anime film. Solid effort. There's always an anime film. Gets nominated for Best Animated Feature. It's usually Studio Ghibli, so fair. Uh, Isle of Dogs, which, okay, yeah, it's, it's a great stop-motion work. Uh, I really enjoyed the film. I'm, actually, I'm glad that it's gotten Oscar recognition because it feels like the release was a long time ago now and you know how the Oscars tends to forget a lot of films. So Isle of Dogs feels like it was the early half of this year, like pre-Easter. Yeah, f- but I'm sure it wasn't, but it feels like it was pre-Easter of last year kind of. Yeah. Thing. Even though it clearly in no way was. <laughs> right. Um those Mirai, Isle of Dogs, I understand those. What makes me really happy, Spider-Man: Into the Spider-Verse <sighs> got the nomination for Best Animated Feature. Holy shit. It sh- yeah. It now. It should do though cuz it's mm. we shouldn't be shocked because it is great. It's great, isn't it? Right? It is great, and I remember Kelly not being interested in seeing it at, at all. Going and seeing it purely because I went OTT destroyer style nuts on it. Yep, and used that as my benchmark. By the way, because I think it's about as much of an event that you should appreciate on a level of Spider-Man into the Spider Verse. Like it's that good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's gotten its its best its best animated feature nomination. That's that's phenomenal. Just getting the nomination is good. Yeah. If it wins, it though, how cool would that be? Yeah, I mean that's a badass winner. That is a badass winner. It would be great. That film is great. You know what? I want to see that film. What really annoys me, though, is the final two nominees. Because, obviously, you have to have the Disney films in there. And you have to have the Pixar films in there. Yeah. And this year, the problem is those two haven't been great. And they are, from Pixar, Incredibles 2. Which, I think, it's just kind of the obligatory sequel. Like Nothing about that stands out as the best animated feature. Because nothing about it is particularly new. Especially after its own first one. Yeah, I enjoyed it, but... And from Disney, Ralph breaks the internet. <laughs> film sucks. It really does, doesn't oh, it? People that don't understand the internet make a film about <laughs> the internet and then try to sell it to people who grew up on the internet. It and I've it, said internet a lot of times, but you know film where you know sucks. where you can go and bitch and moan about it in the comment section that they actively skip because that oh, film the sucks. Yes, they do. Actively skip the comments. No, yeah, section. just don't read it. Like, oh, you had a chance to make a point and you suck. <laughs> So okay, best director. Then did we did we did we talk about this earlier. Um, I, I think know. we touched on it. So it was Alfonso Cuaron, Yorgo Lantimos, uh, Spike Lee, Adam McKay, and Pavel Pavlovsky for Cold War. We talked about this earlier. Yeah, we did. Because Spike Lee, not being Spike Lee, might get Spike Lee the Spike Lee award. The thing with the Spike Lee one, okay, about that is it intrigues me because there is always the chance that they might pull a Martin Scorsese here. Right, right. Now I think Black Clansman is Spike Lee's best film in years. I mean, I think it's probably a better a better movie than Inside Man. I, I in fact, it might be my favourite Spike Lee movie. But Spike Lee, despite being a critically acclaimed, critically loved director, you know, maybe not for his individual films all the time, but yeah. always respected and always regarded as that man. That man's a director. Yeah, in in the same way, in that in that uh, Silicon Valley wave. See this guy, this guy Fox. Yeah, like that, that. He is that. He is the this guy Fox of directors. You know, he's one of those. Yeah, you, know, you know what I mean. Yeah, right. And because he's never had a nomination, it, you feel like there might be that situation where Scorsese kept getting nominated all the time, never got an award. You get to 2006, 2007, The Departed's out. Mm. Everyone sees it and goes, yeah, that's bloody good fun. Huh? Is it Scorsese's battle? Hell no. But you know what? He's been overlooked so many times. Can we just give him the Oscar? Yeah. You know, and you don't mind giving it him for things like Shutter Island or stuff like that. But yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, it feels like a very strange pick in in that way. But having said that, Black Klansman is one of his best films anyway. So. That, that's the thing, I see your point, but it's 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 really good. We talk about how much of a shit move it is again though that John David Washington doesn't get a best actor nomination for Black Clansman. That's that, so good in that there. does suck because he is good. Do He's, you think Rami Malek should be nominated for Best Actor for Freddie Mercury? Because uh, people are very divided on this. I kind of think yeah. You do think yeah yeah okay that's fair that's fair I mean I have said he's great in it he and is I've said that, you know the cast of Queen who play Queen they are great in it and the scenes where he is with Queen are terrific it's the individual Freddy scenes that just don't make that movie work the, so but, but I don't think that's him uh, yeah maybe more shoddy writing Shoddy writing, and they are a bit. What was that movie they made about uh, Liberace a few years ago? (laughs) Behind the The, Candelabra. Yeah, remember that one? Good luck. That was a ghastly film, wasn't it? I mean, it was it was was good fun, but it was ghastly. Aggressive. aggressive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the whole thing with uh, with Brian Singh, I mean, what do you think this is going to do? With do you think do you think that this is basically killed Bohemian Rhapsody for the Oscars? Do you think that's that's gonna be the case now? Now, because that that's obviously been timed because of the Oscar nomination, but also because of the R. Kelly thing recently. I think it has got to have. I think. I don't think. He, yeah. I mean, R. Kelly got dropped by Sony after that documentary thing. The, you know, best uh, best picture get, nominee gets awarded to uh, you know gets given to Bohemian Rhapsody. The same thing could very feasibly be happening with singer. It looks like it might be. I think, Is this him being turfed out finally? I think. Yeah. I think something needs to. We need a conclusion. <laughs> Needs an ending. It, yeah. We need we need to actually find out what happened, because it, it's, it, it comes up, it's cropped up a couple of times, and it's just going to keep happening. Have you read the piece? Have you read the, 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 the big piece that's sort of... Because the worst part about this, this is the thing, so Brian Singer, months and months ago, if you remember, went to Twitter yeah. and said, uh, Esquire, are going to be publishing this article about me in 24 hours, and it's really damaging, and I deny everything, it's all bullshit, it's yeah. bullshit. I did not hear her. You know, <laughs> it's, it's a disaster. I saw. Um, he denied it before it even been published. The article then never appeared and has now turned up on The Atlantic. I haven't... <clears throat> You haven't read. Um, so the idea is that... Brian Singer's response to the article is trying to sell the idea that it was deemed too unreliable for Esquire. Right. And the writer st- ha- held such a grudge against him and has held this grudge since the 1990s. Right. That he has then gone and t- managed to find a buyer for it over the Atlantic and published his salacious lies there. There's a problem, though, because the article written... I've got a very itchy nose, by the way. I apologize. No worries. No worries. Um, the worries. Uh, the, the article specifically involves... I think it's something like 50 Sources. This is a a long, long research article. It took a year. This is a year-long investigation in which 50 people are spoken to, many of whom corroborate each other's stories. And it lines up like its own surviving R. Kelly-type story. Like you could feasibly construct a Brian Singer-like surviving R. Kelly series... And I wouldn't be shocked if if if, if Brian Singer <laughs> keeps playing it the way he does. If that's actually how this ends up. Because basically this is either going to end in my estimation with it turns out it's all true and an investigation leads to something and Brian Singer gets finally carted off. Mm. Or... He becomes the next Roman Polanski, and he basically finds himself exiled from mainstream Hollywood, forced to do things like for, for New Millennium or whatever it is, getting ten million to direct a Red Sonja reboot. Yeah, or we wind it with an R. Kelly type series before he then gets taken down. Right. So, answer to your original question. Go on. Yeah, I think it's killed Bohemian Rhapsody. Hmm. Yeah, I think it, I don't think. It do you think it's killed it for it. Rami Malek? Because his his uh, I I don't see nothing. Nothing to see. I was hoodwinked, bamboozled, scammed. I wasn't there. Yeah, <laughs> I think it has was me. Yeah, that's what it was. I, 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 you know what? I think it has. I think he's been nominated as a look, mate. You were good, <laughs> but <laughs> you're right, pal. <laughs> Seriously, look at what I mean. I know you said you weren't there and you were preparing, <laughs> preparing for a role, but these things like it keeps coming up too much. So yeah, I think it's ruined it. But everyone, everyone knew it about Brian Singer long in advance. I mean. Just off the top of my head. Like I could have told you like if you'd asked me this three days ago. You know, before the, the article came out yeah. and, and all this. If you'd asked me then. I could have t- still told you offhand, off the top of my head, yeah, there were allegations with him years ago about uh, the shower scene in Apt Pupil. Uh, there was something that came up again back in 2014 when *X-Men*. that uh, X-Men movie was out, and he bowed out of the publicity on yeah. that. There were rumours again, sort of in the middle of filming Bohemian Rhapsody, and also he started acting weird and not turning up, apparently started arguing with Rami Malek when he did, and then he got sacked. There's all that good. Those are the things with him I can name off the top of my head head does become a question of how many times does someone have to be accused of something before before the you know that before there finally has to be a, div- a defining line well it's like the own policy thing i mean it's yeah. like that needs to that that's gone on does this become the thing that he carries through his career because hollywood is weird about allowing people to do that well yeah yeah it is, look at woody allen it is very very strange oh, mate, as yeah. an industry the things that they will allow people to sort of just carry with them Yeah. But, uh, although in Willie Allen's case, it seems to have actually cost him his mainstream uh, distribution credibility. Just too weird. Too weird indeed. But uh, yeah, so it's going to be an interesting Oscar season in some regards. It's going to be certainly predictable in others. Romer will probably win everything. Romer and Green Book probably win everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, Star is Born is going to win something. Yeah, well, Basson. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, clearly yeah. Basson. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's, 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 that's my in depth Oscar roundup, anyway. So that's, that's it. That's all I've got on the Oscars. I've gotten it all out now, and I'm just going to refer back to this whenever someone asks me now. Yeah. But I'll be like, I've got it written down. I'll, I'll just get it transcribed. Do the auto-transcribe thing. I'll just have some notes. That's what I'll do. I like it. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm nothing <laughs> if not lazy. I mean, I am an Amazon Prime now, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> on which note, here it is. Your moment of Cage. You know, I can uh, eat a peach for hours.